When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. And our show today is totally awesome because we're going to talk about baby gift ideas that don't result in clutter, the right to speak up, how to keep your wedding plans private, and how to boycott establishments while not revealing your reasoning. Plus, we've got a postscript segment from Dan on compliments. That's all coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning, and we're from the Emily Post Institute. I watched an interesting thing go down on Sunday. Do tell. So I have a, a family that I babysit and house sit and dog sit for, and they've really... They're like my my family. Like, I'm really close with them. And they've very generously let me use their sewing machine for projects. So I'm at the house a lot, kind of not in charge of things. You know, I'm just at the house kind of as a bystander working on the project. This time sewing. Right, exactly. So I'm sewing on Sunday, and the family is getting ready because on Sundays they arrange like a, a mixed doubles tennis session at uh, some local tennis courts. Bravo. Good work. Um, right? No, it's it's kind of cool. Like on a Sunday evening and all the families, like they'll bring their kids and the kids can go play on the playground or they can join in on tennis and the adults play tennis and have some hors d'oeuvres and stuff. It's like really nice. And it's all at the public courts. I was just watching a scene like this at a public courts in Alexandria, Virginia, where I was doing a seminar and I was just struck by what a wholesome community feel it all had to it. All these people playing tennis together and the, the, the mix of competition and cooperation that go together to make something like that happen. Well, it certainly should be, but here's the but, ready? I know. It's a, it's a bummer because this sounds all, all perfect and nice and wonderful, but I'm listening as this couple is calling up and finding out which couples are actually going to show up. And slowly, one by one, as uh, the mom is going through the list of people, it's all of a sudden down to one other couple showing up. And here's something that they had all planned on doing. They had said, we're going to do mixed doubles at, you know, 5 p.m. on Sunday evening. And it was so just from an etiquette standpoint, you know, little me fly on the wall was like, you know, that's really a bummer. It's one thing if, you know, of course, people get sick and one of the families got sick and you can't do anything about that. But uh, some of the other families were doing other things like, you know, g- decided to garden for the day or decided to go have dinner somewhere else. Or, And I don't begrudge them for wanting to do other stuff. But maybe instead of making a firm commitment to the person organizing all this in the beginning, they could have said, hey, we're going to be tentatively on for Sunday. We're not really going to commit. Like, 
give yourself the freedom ahead of time if you want it, rather than doing it on the back end when other people have already committed and are expecting that you're going to be there, right? Am I, like, do you feel what I'm saying? I do. You, you described it as an interesting situation. That just sounds terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, terrible in the, 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 the way it sort of deteriorated in front yeah. of your eyes. And it's a, a real reminder to me that things can feel very breezy and easy this time of year. And you want to say yes to everything because everything sounds so appealing right yeah. now. It really is a reminder, though, that it's important, even when it's beautiful out and it's easy and breezy, that you've still made commitments. It's important to keep them, even when they're just for something fun and something that seems like it would be a no consequence, no harm, just to move on to something else that seemed just as appealing that afternoon. Right? I don't know. So, uh, do you want to play tennis on Friday? <laughs> you know, what I do want to do is get out on the course with you and play a little <laughs> golf this weekend. That would be really fun. For now, shall we get to some questions? Let's do it. You're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or give us a call at 802-866-0860. Our first question is from Minimalist Mama. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I have been diligently reducing my possessions over the last year. I aim only to retain items that add value to my life and to better spend my time with family instead of maintaining stuff. I am also a new mama and have a one-year birthday coming up. I would like to ask only for things we need, gifts of experience, and especially spending quality time. I need help starting the conversation from a place of love and gratitude. Thank you immensely for your guidance. Warmly, Minimalist Mama. Hey, Minimalist Mama. I think that a lot of people can appreciate this sentiment at this time of year when spring cleaning is on many minds. It's a, a perfect time to clean out some of those dusty corners. And I want to approach your question with that spirit. The idea of giving direction around gift giving is often a fraught etiquette question. And that's that's really the heart of this particular question. You're in a fortunate position of being a parent and parents do have the special privilege of offering some direction and guiding the experience of a birthday party and the birthday gift experience that their child's going to have. And for some people, that's a prohibition on games that have content that they don't see as suitable or appropriate for their child yet. Sometimes a kid will have a particular item that they're really looking for, and a parent can help spread the word about that to a grandparent or friend of the family who's um, going to be able to help out. So you're going to exercise that parental prerogative here. So my tip is to really start that via word of mouth. So I'm thinking I might ask our master of sample scripts <laughs> to help me out just a little bit here. LP, what do you think? I think it's it's totally appropriate to spread this via word of mouth. I wouldn't put it on an invitation because I think that's typically not what we do. But, you know, for these one-year-old birthdays, often the party consists of mostly adults. It's really the adults in the life that celebrate that this baby's made it to a year and everyone's so excited. Um, and it's such a big year of change. I think it really is a wonderful celebration for the parents to do that one-year birthday. That's a good point. Yeah. And so it's people are going to ask, you know, what do you need or what might you like? That's a perfect time to say, we love the idea of gifts of experience. You know, if you want to come over for a play date with 
Sammy, or if you want to take him to the park for an afternoon, or if you want to go to a baby class or a museum or something. I, museum for a one-year-old doesn't make a lot of sense, but sometimes they have um, infancy and toddler programs and things like that that you could go. But I think those are all things that as a family you could enjoy together. And yeah. you're, you're halfway there by having an idea of what the positive advice that you want yes. to give is. You're not just saying, I don't want this, I don't want that, but you're well set up to frame this in the positive as making suggestions about the type of thing that you want to encourage and the type of experience you want to generate for your child. Exactly. And a nice, gentle way of starting that off might be saying something like, oh, I'm so glad you can come. You know, we really have everything. We're all set for him in terms of physical gifts. But it would be so much fun if we did like a a play date for an afternoon at the park together or something like that. And that's a great way to let people know that you really are all set in terms of the physical needs for your child. And I'd leave you with a final piece of advice that all you can do is make suggestions. You can't control what other people do. And if people do decide to get you the gift that is their usual first year birthday party gift and they're going to do it because they've done it for every nephew or grandchild or person they've ever known... You receive that gift with a spirit of generosity. You say thank you so much and you appreciate the thought and the gesture, even if you're not particularly excited about accruing more stuff. We hope you have a smashing party and we congratulate you on your first year with your new child. Our next question is about the right to not remain silent. I'm really curious if there's a polite way to stand up for yourself. I overheard a woman in my apartment building saying something not very nice about me, well within earshot, to her four-year-old granddaughter who she nannies. I have to admit that I went a little crazy and lost my cool with her, but I was wondering what the right way to handle the situation is. Do I follow the protocol of, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all? I feel like by ignoring the comment, I would have signaled that it was okay to say what she said, and I firmly believe her statement was inappropriate and just plain rude. Sincerely, do I have the right to not remain silent? I think this one has a couple different things you could think about. One of the the classic phrases that you hear or, or sayings that I think we've all been told at some point is it's none of your business what others think of you. And so if you happen to hear it, just ignore it, move on understand that that person has a right to think whatever they want about you and you also have a right to think whatever you want about them. You can play it off that way. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just absolutely ignoring it. I would also say that I don't think you have to listen to someone say something awful about you within earshot and not acknowledge it. I think that it's not just the polite thing to do to ignore it. I might say something like, Mrs. Kramer, I don't appreciate you saying that about me. Or Mrs. Kramer, I'd be happy to, to discuss this with you at another point. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say something about the idea that this wasn't the place and time for you to be finding out that this is how this person felt. Apologies to any Mrs. Kramers out there. <laughs> no, I, I like that, too. I like as much what I hear in your tone Mm-hmm. as the content of what you're saying. And maybe the Miss Kramer framing is nice that it's got a certain formality and politeness to it, but I'm reminded of the classic two rudes don't make a right. They don't. So that you absolutely have a right to stand up for yourself. And yeah. at the same time, you don't have a right to be rude in the process. Right. And I feel like these phrases just acknowledge that 
you've heard what's said and you're you're not that happy with it or you'd like a chance to correct it if that's what needs to be corrected. Not knowing exactly how these two neighbors interact, what they think of each other, what was actually said to the four-year-old, it's a little hard to to get deep into specifics about who's right and who's wrong. But I do think you you always have a chance to say, I'm really sorry you feel that way about me. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Something like that, just to let them know, I've, I've heard what you said, and I understand it, and it's there, and it's out in the open, and it's not, it's not nice. It's not a nice feeling, so I'm not trying to tell you that you need to be all kitten-cuddly sweet to this person. I agree 100%. You mentioned something there. You acknowledge the presence of the granddaughter. Yes. And when I'm thinking about what would make a rude response, something that escalates or insults or even if what she said was so insulting, again, that's the second rude making the right. If you start to really call her out in front of the granddaughter. It's just as bad. It is. It could be just as bad. I want to jump back to the, the very first thing that Lizzie said, too, about the power of words and that. It might be this person's intention to get a rise out of you. And sometimes by even acknowledging that this was said, you're giving them the attention that they're looking for. And you might want to avoid that completely. We often talk about consideration, respect and honesty Mm -hmm. being fundamental principles of good etiquette. And we talk about having respect for others. It is important to have respect for yourself as well. And if any of these questions get to a point where you're really feeling degraded and like your self-respect is really being um, challenged and hurt, I think that it's important to stand up for yourself. Just remember that you do it in a considerate way. And oftentimes, particularly in online spaces, the most considerate thing to do is to not give the person the attention they're looking for. Not remaining silent. We hope that helps the times that you choose to remain silent and the times that you don't. 
Our next question is titled, Privacy, Please. I think in today's world, we could all use a little of that. Yes. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I'm in my 30s and work in the corporate world, but my world is drastically about to change because I'm recently engaged to a professional football player. I'm so excited about our upcoming wedding and the new life that we will be starting. But with this comes a sudden situation where I feel this need to keep private certain aspects of our life, especially our wedding. My fiancé and I both had very deliberate social media presences where some things are shared and others aren't. Any advice about how to breach the topic with friends and family, asking them not to share stuff about my life with people not in our circles? My fiancé's family and friend are more used to this, but I'm extremely private with things for people who aren't in my circle. Another similar question, is it okay to ask that guests not use cell phones and share pictures of our wedding on social media without sounding high-maintenance? Our photographer has suggested no cell phones and cameras during our ceremony to keep the focus on our wedding, marriage, and honestly make her job easier. Kate. Kate, first of all, congratulations. That's a very exciting time in your life. (laughs) Really quickly, it's totally okay to ask guests not to use cell phones or to post anything. Lots of people do this. You want to put it on your wedding website. You want to spread the word via word of mouth. Ask bridesmaids and groomsmen and all of your family members to help police and get the word out on the day of. And also ask the officiant to say something and put it in the program. Basically, every place that you can put it, we've seen signs outside of ceremony sites between everything it really does start to be something that people will will understand and you can say you can put your phone in airplane mode but please don't post anything that airplane mode lets you take the picture but it doesn't allow kind of the phone to become a distraction during the wedding it really is difficult to separate guests from their cell phones so take every opportunity available to you to help them be the best guest possible When it comes to the other part of what you've asked, which is making sure that your wedding is really going to be private because you are engaged to a public figure and just how public that figure is means that there might be people trying to figure out the location or the place of your wedding. And that can be uh, really nerve wracking when it's a very special day that you want to protect. As you mentioned, your fiance's family is much more used to this than yours is. My guess is that yours understands a little bit just because you've been dating this public figure for a while and you guys very clearly separate what is allowed on social media and what is not, I would talk to your inner circle and I would ask them to not talk about the wedding and to give as few details as possible. And I would give them suggested language to handle that, Um, especially for your parents. Your parents are going to be the ones who get the most questions. Oh, when's the big day? What's she thinking for a theme or a color or this or that? And it becomes one of those things where it's very hard for them to know what to say. So just I think just telling them, please don't talk about details of the wedding with anyone isn't going to help them. But giving them some language like offering them the ability to say, oh, Kate and John are still considering the big details. We're just excited that it's going to happen. Allows them to deflect a little bit, might even indicate to the person asking the question that they don't have the info to actually give, you know, that, oh, you know, I don't have details to be able to give out. As you get closer and closer to the wedding date, this is going to be harder and harder to manage and keep quiet about because 
it will be obvious that four weeks before the wedding, you have a venue and you have a caterer and you have flower decisions and all these things. I think it's probably best to allow people to maybe talk about certain details. Like you might talk about the caterer. You might talk about the food that's been selected, not the actual person who's going to be delivering it. You might talk about the color themes that were chosen or the music that people want to hear because those aren't date and time sensitive. They might be things that... It's not going to matter whether people know that fish is going to be served and purple is the color theme. I think that might be a safe way to let people talk without divulging any information. I don't know. You, you're you the one of us who's been married. What do you think? Well, I like all of those ideas. Yeah. And I also like the idea of just sort of thinking about some positive language you can give that person. And maybe even another way to deflect that question would be say, you know, I can't wait to see the pictures or, you know, you should really talk to... The couple, if you're curious about X, Y, or Z. Um, You know, if people are really prying about the details of someone else's wedding and you're just a guest, that's not your position to divulge those specifics and those details. And helping people identify what are the shareable fun elements and what are the details that are personal and private, making that explicit and clear, I think, sets your guests up to understand the difference and play their role well. And I think that it'll also play well into the idea that you're not trying to make it sound like you you guys are big celebrity somebodies. I think it'll be a way to to manage it. And you can even start by saying things like, this is new territory for me. And, you know, John and I just really want to make sure that our wedding is really private and it's with just the intimate people that we want it to be with. And that's a way to get people to understand it from your your true perspective, your honest perspective. And you won't come across as, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Dan? Too self-important. That's it. <laughs> Kate, we truly hope that this helps and that you have a wonderful and very private wedding. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsor. Here, let's try another trick. This next question has to do with a hangry ex-sister-in-law. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. My brother and his wife recently got divorced after four years of marriage. He discovered that she had been carrying on an affair for nine months with a local restaurant investor. This other guy owns some of the most popular restaurants in my city. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When friends want to go out for dinner or drinks, they inevitably choose one of the restaurants he owns. But I have decided not to patronize the business of a man who played a part in the dissolving of my brother's marriage. How do I handle the tricky situation of avoiding these places while maintaining my brother's privacy? I haven't told most of them these details of my brother's divorce, so I want to be discreet while still standing by my sibling. Help! Hangry ex-sister-in-law. Hangry, I really appreciate the loyalty that you're showing in this situation. Sometimes when relationships end, there is a lot of hurt. And when there's been dishonesty that's been part of the ending of a relationship, it can be so painful for the people involved. And your 
desire to stand up for your brother, I think is admirable. Having said that, I also think that your sense of discretion here is really admirable, is really admirable. And to really exhibit loyalty in this particular situation, having a sense of discretion is going to be part of that, that you've got to carry this grudge on behalf of your brother because that's what you've decided to do. But you got to do it well. And spraying your brother's business all over town isn't discreet and it's not good etiquette. And while your brother might really appreciate your loyalty, he might not appreciate that. Yeah, I think that when it comes to what you actually say, because you are trying to protect a secret, but you have to communicate this boycotting somehow. And I think it's fine to just simply say something like, you know, I have a personal issue with that restaurant. So if we could pick somewhere else, that would be great. But if you guys really want to go there because you've wanted to try it or there's a dish or there's some reason you want, I totally understand. I'll bow out and we can all get together on a different night. And I think that lets you kind of say, hey, I have a personal issue with this thing. And it's it's not because it's a bad restaurant. It's just because I don't want to go there. And because this person is invested in a number of restaurants in your city, you may have to throw this line out there a few times. And Somebody might do a little research and start to figure out that it's a particular restaurateur who you're targeting or you're you're choosing to boycott, but they still won't know the reason why. And if they press you and they ask, you can just say, you know, it's personal and I'm trying to I'm trying to leave it at that, but still communicate to you so that we can have a social life together. Yeah. You're not trying to organize a boycott no. on behalf of your brother. You're, exactly. This is just a personal line that you've drawn for yourself. And um, be prepared. Sometimes when you mention a personal issue, people will press or pry. They'll maybe even get more curious. So um, the more you can do to de-emphasize that part of your decision making, I think the the better off you're going to be or the more likely it is that you're not going to be dealing with those follow-up questions of why, what happened, what was it? If you decide to address those things, just deflect, delay, do it at a different time when it's not a big group decision moment. Yeah, it's not something I want to go into right now. But truly, if you guys want to go there, by all means, go and I'll meet you for drinks tomorrow night. Hangry, I love the way you titled your question because it certainly is true that when we're hungry, I think we're often predisposed to be our extra grudging selves and not wanting to surrender to that impulse. I really appreciate the spirit of your question. I like this next question because I think it's actually something a lot of people wrestle with. Are birthday presents passe? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Are birthday gifts and cards passe? I remember as a kid, you never went to a party empty-handed. Now I feel like showing up to a birthday dinner or brunch, card in tow, is super vintage. I've honestly felt silly at times, going to birthday gatherings with thoughtful gifts and cards, only to be the only one with bag in tow. Sometimes even the guest of honor looks confused. Is there a more modern birthday tradition I am missing? Is showing up simply enough for the younger set? My parents would still balk at the idea of not receiving a card, even if I flew home to celebrate with them. Just trying to keep up with the times. Regards, old school. (laughs) Emoticon. I know, right? A little winky smiley face. I feel you on this. I often feel a little bit strange when I'm unsure about should I show up with a card or a gift or what. And I've I've kind of come down on the side of for my adult friends that I'm I'm going to their birthdays or getting together to celebrate their birthdays, I often just bring a card. 
And that seems to be what's appropriate at this stage in my life with my circle of friends. That might be really different for someone else who, you know, their group of friends has kept the tradition of giving gifts alive. And I think a little bit what old school wants to do is pay attention to what she sees going on or what he sees going on. So if you're seeing people just showing up with cards, then I think you're probably in safe territory to just show up with a card. If you're seeing people show up with nothing... I think you're in safe territory to just show up with a card. I kind of like the idea of acknowledging it in some way, shape or form, maybe some flowers or something simple. Or, you know, you bring a bottle of wine to the party, but you also bring a bottle of wine as a gift. I think doing something is always nice. Um, It doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be something wrapped up in pretty, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of the bottle of wine doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be like, you know. And cards can be so many different things. They can be. They could be funny or witty or you could handwrite it and personalize it. There could be... Yeah. You could hide your gift in the card. There could be a (laughs) little gift card in there or a little invitation to a future event or anything. No, I I like the invitation to a future event idea, that kind of a thing. But I think you are not in the wrong for trying to mark the occasion with something more than just your presence. I also wouldn't feel badly if you show up and you are the only one who's brought a card. And I, I, to those who might who might be in the camp of my friends really don't bring gifts to birthday parties, they don't even really bring cards, and you show up without a card and someone else brings a card, don't feel bad. <laughs> no, and, and don't feel bad if they don't make the, the gift that you brought or the card that you brought the center of the party or the event, particularly if other people didn't do that. That might be really good hosting etiquette. They might want to receive your gift and card but not point out that anybody else didn't bring them so they don't want to make a point of that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't appreciated. And it's, again, it's certainly your purview to mark that moment in a way that gives some significance that matters to you also. And if you're really unsure, you can always ask, hey, what kind of a party is this? Are we doing gifts? You know, ask some of the other guests or a little hard to ask the birthday boy or girl himself if they haven't already said no gifts. My friend Aaron threw a party recently for her birthday and she said, no gifts. I just want you to show up. So I listened. I did not bring a gift. Some people brought cards. Some people brought flowers. I chose not to worry about the fact that I hadn't. And I did check in with her later on. I was like, you know, I just I just wanted to let you know, like, I really did listen to your no gifts. And she said, totally fine. Don't worry. I was like, OK, good. <laughs> Checking in like that will give you some idea of how your host is thinking about this particular gathering. Old school, we don't think you're so old school. We think you're doing just fine, and we hope you have a great time at your next birthday gathering. You're worried about not doing the right thing. It's only common courtesy, Chuck. To make a good impression, you must know what to do. For all of your questions and don't forget that we love updates and comments so if you have any thoughts or a follow-up to one of the questions that you've heard feel free to send it to us at awesome etiquette at emilypost.com you can leave a message on our voicemail at 802-866-0860 or you can leave us feedback on twitter and facebook use the hashtag awesome etiquette of comments, it's time for your feedback. We hear all sorts of great things from you, our audience, and we like to take the chance to share it with everyone. 
As usual, our producer Hans has been going through your responses. Hello. We had a question a few weeks ago from an attorney who wrote into the show, and they were asking for some ideas from you guys for sample language on how they could greet people who were in their office not because of a great reason. So something like divorce or a lawsuit. They don't want to be there. It's a difficult time. How do you greet that person and not make it sound like, I'm so glad you're here because that means a payday for me? I remember this one, and I I loved the tone of it because it is so hard to greet someone politely when they're here for something that's negative. That's right. That's right. And so that was the quandary. And we got some really interesting feedback from people, some people who were in professions where they had to deal with this same similar thing and some people who interacted with professions maybe in a more negative situation. One suggestion came from a hopeful military service person. And this person said that they got rejected for military service because of a knee surgery that they had almost five years ago. So they said, I'm appealing the decision, and part of what I'm doing is getting a letter of endorsement from my surgeon. When he walked in the exam room, I said, good to see you again, to which he immediately responded, not good to see you. I know the circumstances are a little different because we had met already, but it was a good way to show concern for my health. Tone and facial expression helped communicate the fact that he was concerned about my knee and not really unhappy about seeing me personally. He was also really happy to hear that my knee was fine and that I just needed someone with an MD behind their name to say so. Gotcha. So we also got an email from Jessica who said that demeanor is just as important as tone. She also offered some alternate language of her own. And this is really interesting. I like this. She said she works with seniors and she has picked up a phrase from our elders, as she calls them, that is charming and useful. Instead of saying, it's nice to meet you, she often hears octogenarians say, it's nice to know you. She finds this personal and warm when delivered sincerely. Welcome. It's nice to know you is probably sufficient. Further commenting anything about this difficult time or I hope to be of service, she says, may come across as pandering. What do you guys think of it's nice to know you? I'm not as big a fan. No, you don't like it? I don't. I think it's nice to know you almost. I'm thinking of like been nice knowing you. Like that's what it it brings to mind for me. So for me, I'm not sure that that one, it's nice to know you. You don't know them yet if you're meeting them for the first time. It's quite personal. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. But in her scenario, it really seems. But for first meetings, I might not want to adopt that particular language, maybe particularly in a professional circumstance where I'm trying not to assume too much familiarity too quickly. I am really interested in Jessica's distinction between demeanor and tone. Yes. And I really am glad that she brought that up because Lizzie and I often almost use them interchangeably. And and I think that it's really important to remember how different they are. Tone of voice is how you're saying something. Demeanor is your whole posture, yes. your whole physical attitude with someone. And that is such an important part of communication. I, I think that, that can't be overstated. And I heard that a little bit in our servicemen's response also, that, that that tone and demeanor is so important to establishing a respectful professional relationship. So we also got a great phone call. Uh, This one was from an oncology nurse. And so an oncology nurse, she worked with cancer patients every day. And this is what she had to say. I actually haven't quite nailed down the introductions when I meet people. I think I still say it's nice to meet you, but then sometimes I'll add not in this environment or something like that. I really like what our oncology nurse is suggesting. I think that I could also see a variation um, where you say, it's nice to meet you. I wish it were under different circumstances, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here to help. 
And that conveys the, the nature of your relationship. It conveys that it's nice to get to know you, but of course the circumstances are difficult. And I think that kind of encapsulates all of it. I really like her suggestion. Such a good common sense reply. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, we have Maureen from Bend, Oregon. And her suggestion was to say thank you so much for your time or some variation like um, appreciate your time on this. So what she says is that this leaves out, first of all, affirming any disaster, as she puts mm-hmm. it, or uh, difficult times. It uh, leaves out money that is earned or paid, any relationship of money and class structure, which is an interesting point because she says we all own the same amount of time and it is all valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in. Those kinds of uh, the the appreciation that you're spending time together dealing with this situation. Yeah, I like that, too. Yeah. So there you go. Some answers from our audience for our attorney who is wondering about how to appropriately address people uh, who are coming into their office for not the best reasons. So once again, thank all of you for your feedback. That is so helpful. Time for our postscript segment where we explore the exciting nuance of a single piece of etiquette. And I think today's piece of etiquette will be very uplifting and make everyone feel good. And don't we all just love compliments? Dan, you got you got you're gonna talk to us about compliments. I am, and I received one of the nicest compliments I've ever received recently. Someone really came up to me after a seminar and they said You know, I really appreciated your presentation today. You are such an excellent presenter. I particularly like the way that you pause and let the room breathe. You'll ask a question and then you'll wait for a response. And it really opens up the room and and I feel it really draws the attention of the room to you as a presenter. What a lovely compliment. It was a lovely compliment. And then he said, you know, did you learn that somewhere? Did you do a presentation skills course or what in your background do you draw on to be a presenter? And I said, you know, I spent about 10 years working in the performing arts before I started working in the etiquette business. And I was completely seduced by this compliment. I remember it to this day. I can break it down for you in terms of how (laughs) it was delivered. Well, this gentleman's name was Nick. And it turns out Nick was approaching me to talk to me about giving really effective compliments. And he employed the strategy that he wanted to share with me. And I was blown away because it was so effective. It worked. It worked on me and I felt it work on me. So I wanted to share this with with our listeners. I wanted to share this with all of you. Just so you know, Dan's like glowing in the studio right now as he's remembering this. It's you such can a, tell it worked. It did work. It and really it worked, worked in a couple different ways yeah. to use. The other thing I love about teaching is I, I get to hear from audiences and I get to hear from people about what in the content resonates with them. Yeah. And, I, and I get to hear, just like we get to hear from our audience, incredible ideas and feedback. I love getting that feedback in person. This was one of those great examples of that. So it's satisfying in a couple of different ways. So this is what Nick taught me. He thinks of a compliment as having three parts. The the first part is the delivery of the compliment itself. You are such an excellent presenter. (laughs) Part two, you back it up. You back it up with something specific and a particular detail that, that 
uh, resonated with you so that you draw attention to some element of the compliment. So in this particular case, it was the use of pause. And then the third part is you ask a question about that specific thing. So you deliver a compliment, you develop it a little bit with specifics, and then you ask a follow-up question. And then you've delivered the compliment and you've engaged someone at the same time. And I really like the strategy. In our top 10 business etiquette tips, we have harnessed the power of the compliment. And oftentimes I find myself giving the advice that compliments are free and they're easy to dispense and they are so rewarding. It's one of the ways you can really reward the people that you work with. And compliments are, are so powerful and they make people feel good. I will caution people to be careful to compliment people on their work, the quality of the work, the content of their work, and not to just compliment people on their appearance. That's yes. oftentimes one of the first places that people go when they're thinking about giving a compliment. And particularly in professional situations, it's nice to really direct that compliment to the territory where it's going to do the most good for everyone. I think that is such a great point. And it's interesting that you say that because I don't know if you've noticed, but we had a number of emails come in recently about not just complimenting on, oh, you look so great or wow, you're, mm -hmm. you know, you look like you've lost weight or you look in it's uh, those compliments on the appearance. People, they recognize that they appreciate them, but sometimes it feels like, isn't it good just to see me rather than how I look? And I think it's really important, and as you said, especially in the business world, to not focus a compliment on, on something that's very surface level. Yeah, and this is a great way to develop a compliment, to yeah. deepen it and to to really use it to compliment someone in a substantial way that, that, that does feel really satisfying. I want to compliment Nick. I want to thank him for sharing the details of a good compliment. And someday I look forward to asking him where exactly he learned this particular technique or strategy. Nick, thank you so much. Say something nice to me, don't just say goodbye. If this just has to be, at least won't you tell me why? Before I, I break down in front of you And cry like I want to do Say something nice to me, baby Yeah, yeah, yeah Girl, say something nice to me now Every week we like to end with a listener salute to good etiquette And this week we are reaching far across the ocean To the other side of the world with a salute from Auckland, New Zealand and we do have a quick warning that the audio in this is a little bit rough in places, so please bear with us. We really did want to play this salute, even with slight technical difficulties. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I bring you this etiquette salute from the cloistered halls of academia about a kind and lovely woman from my lab. I'm in a master's program this year. I just started with two other students in the lab, and it's all pretty intimidating. For the most part, you're kind of stuck there figuring everything out yourself. <laughs> it's a little bit horrifying, especially when things don't work. And that's why this person, she's, her presence is very much appreciated because she's been here for quite a few years now, I think. Um, <laughs> and she kind of understands that it's not too big of a deal. But at the same time, she's not diminishing our struggles or dismissing them. She's just kind of like, yeah, this happens. This is what you do, and this is how you get over it. We met her during our first week when everything was really new and confusing, and she was just this, like, ball of energy. And 
she started telling us about her year and how she got through it, um, mainly through chocolate and taking walks and talking to people. And she mentioned that she would be there for us to talk to if we needed it. And, oh, my God, we really needed it. (laughs) So it's just that, like, her telling us that everything's going to be okay, that it's going to be tough, but we're all going to get through it. And that made the chaos of the first week much more bearable. So I just want to say thank you for genuinely caring and listening and just being there for all of us. It really, really means a lot. And I don't think we could get through this yet without you. Yeah, thank you. I love this salute. I worked in a organic chemistry lab for years, and those are really stressful environments. And a little courtesy can go a long way, particularly in those cloistered halls of academia that are such stressful environments. Thank you for this salute, and thank you to the person who made your experience there just a little bit easier. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Question, a comment, some feedback, a salute. And speaking of salutes, we need your salutes. We love to highlight the good etiquette that's going on in our world every day. So if you could help us out by sending us the good turn that someone's done in your life, we'd really appreciate it. You can send that next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can reach us by phone at 802-866-0860. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And subscribe on iTunes and please feel free to leave us a review. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Let's go.